today on Ag News Daily. Is actually visit your family operation up to three times in a year time frame. These three different, and these, these are like full day me taking photos of your family. And so, you know, it can be four to six hours. And then you can imagine all the great photos that, that I'm able to get. Good. Tuesday to all you listeners. This is Tanner Winterhoff alongside Cassidy Zirkel. How's Cassidy doing? I am pretty tired, Tanner, and I feel like you're probably the same because you've been at a conference this week. Is that correct? That's correct. I am at uh, a banking conference, which you would think sounds really, really boring, but we do have a nice pocket of really cool people that uh, you know kind of lends you to partake in the beverages of choice and stay up late and have some good conversation. So, uh, no, happy to get up and be on here with you this morning. But yes, uh, I know I will be dragging this afternoon. Well, I'm happy you're here, too, since Delaney can't make it this morning. We always knock it out of the park. What kind of news do you have today? Well, to start off with, Ukrainian Ag Ministry officials said on Monday that the country's grain harvest was likely to drop to around 48.5 million metric tons this year from 86 million metric tons last year following the Russian invasion. He projected the current wheat production at 17 to 20 million metric tons in that range. However, the European, European Union Crop Monitoring Service, MARS, is projecting their crop at 26.9 million metric tons, down 16%. However, they're estimating that 22% of that production is currently in the zone affected by the Russian invasion. So that nets to a number of 21 million metric tons. You know, with Mars projecting their 22 crop at 35.3 metric tons, and that is what this gentleman is referring to in the article is how are we to get a accurate idea of what the wheat production is going to look like in Ukraine when the two local reporting agencies don't agree. So I, I got to looking at this and it doesn't seem like they're that far off once you net out the areas that might be affected, Cassidy, but still something to watch. We had a conversation around uh, getting wheat planted here in the United States. We obviously are tracking the progress for the harvest, um, but we know stocks are going to be tight. So these numbers are going to be watched very closely. And our United States progress report also came out recently. So compared to Ukraine, it looks like we're doing a little bit better, as you would expect. Our wheat is reported at 94% compared to 99% for the prior five-year average, which isn't too far behind. And 72% has emerged compared to 93%, which is a little further behind. And then the condition of the spring wheat crop was rated 54% good to excellent, 9% poor to very poor. So that doesn't sound quite as great as the fact that we're 94% compared to 99% planted, but I think our wheat is doing a little bit better than it is overseas. Yeah, I, I saw that also. It, and then they moved on to tell us that the winter wheat is headed out 86% compared to the 90 of the five-year average. And that winter wheat condition is 31% good to excellent and 42% poor to very poor. So uh, still comparable to the past in an extent, but the five-year average has 48% good to excellent with 20 poor to poor. So uh, quite interesting. Again, we'll continue to watch corn pretty much right on progress, 97% compared to 97. 
soybeans uh, 88% compared to 88. So we have now caught right back up, Gasty, to where we had been in the years previous. But quick little update. We had a couple of stories last week. There is still been no action on the the Supreme Court's request from Bayer to appeal those other cases where the uh, individuals were awarded saying that the Roundup weed killer would cause cancer. And the Supreme Court is nearing the end of their term, but they have yet to weigh in on this. So that came out of St. Louis last night, just an update. Uh, We know that they had appealed it, but we do not have a response yet. I've seen mixed reports on that one saying that the Supreme Court has denied their request to appeal that and some others saying that they're just waiting to see what they say. Now, I found an article that says another avian influenza outbreak has come up in the Pacific Northwest. This comes as a surprise as things were starting to cool down with the bird flu, but it looks like a backyard flock in Yamaka County tested positive for highly pathogenic avian influenza on June 7th, which is really scary because what everyone's been saying is once it gets hot and once the weather gets a little bit better, then it'll start to get better. But it seems that cases are still popping up. Yeah, that's too bad. All signs pointed to it just disappearing. So hopefully that's a very limited case and we don't have to worry about anything more because Delaney had reported on weather that this was going to be one of the hottest weeks alongside we've got new excessive heat warnings coming for the i states also extending over to ohio so just released this morning temperatures in much of illinois are going to reach more than 112 degrees fahrenheit and that's not the uh actual or that's the actual temperature temperatures in ohio around 105 i know here in iowa uh, we've had some pop-up thunderstorms but again very high temperatures i think Our high projected for today is 97 here on the eastern side of the state today where I hang out. But the interesting part that's coming from this is the extreme humidity. So we all know, at least here in the Midwest, that that usually causes severe weather. So it'll be interesting to watch to see, you know, like Delaney reported on yesterday, where these storms are tracking because it seems like there's been in the news, a lot of severe potential, and we certainly don't want to see crops get hailed on or heavy windstorms come through like we reported on last week. Yes, sir. I think Delaney was pretty cautious in reporting it just because she didn't want to jinx y'all in the Midwest because there had been reports of high duration potential, and I know that's nothing any of you want to happen again like it did a few years back. You are correct. We, if we can miss that, that would be just fine. Now, I feel like we report on this every single week, and it's just as depressing every time. So I'm kind of breaking my streak of only reporting good news, Tanner. <laughs> but it looks like grocery prices are still on the rise. 11.9% risen in a year, which, like you've reported before, it's the worst since 1979. It's led by meat prices, of course, and grocery prices are all rising. I can feel it, and I know all of our listeners' pocketbook can feel it. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, that 
is something that we're looking forward to things going back down, but it's not going to just happen on a day. So we'll have to we'll have to really pay attention and maybe a year from now we'll get a report that tells us where things were comparatively. The last piece I have before hitting on where markets open this morning is the House will vote today, Tuesday, and on the legislation to create the USDA special investigator to enforce fair play laws in the meat industry that we have talked about here a couple of different times, despite a last ditch Republican effort to squash the proposal. So the White House announced its support on Monday for the package, and it would also include summertime sale of E15 to help farmers throughout the nation. So uh, hopefully that pops through. It was interesting to see what the Republicans take was on the other items that were in this bill. So the headline here clearly makes it seem uh, like they were uh, opposing the meat investigator portion of this. I think that was the bipartisan issue. Um, there was a lot, of course, of work going on back and forth to squeeze some extra things into that bill, but we should get that passed today, Cassidy. But as we look here at open July corn, open at 765 and three quarters, March contract opens at 723 and a quarter. The July soybean contract uh, was up overnight, nine cents. It opened at 1707, currently reporting at 1716. Uh, January soybeans at 1535. So uh, in the grains, everything looks to be doing well, except for wheat in the overnight was down. The July wheat contract was down 14 cents, coming in at 1071. The March 23 contract was down 13 and three quarters to open at 11.12. Cattle down in the overnight, two buck. Lean hogs relatively unchanged. So a fairly active night of trading. And as we record this morning, uh, just after the open, have a little bit of information there. But Cassidy, are you excited for our conversation with our guests today? Yes, sir. Let's turn it over to Sarah Heisel of Happy Trails Co. Good morning, Ag News Daily listeners. I'm really excited to introduce Sarah Heisel from Happy Trails Co. to be our Tech Tuesday guest this morning. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. And I have personally been a fangirl of yours for a long time in your photography business, but for our listeners who don't know you and don't follow you, could you give them a little bit of background of who you are, where you started, and kind of where you are now? Yeah, so I am a Western lifestyle photographer, and I've been doing this for about 10 years now. Yeah, started right, I actually went to college for animal science. And then senior year, I picked up a camera and just have been taking pictures ever since. So it's developed to what it is now. And my husband and I, see, I had him in Oklahoma for about 10 years with me. That's where I was born and raised and where we went to college, where we met. He also has been animal science since college. And so we've been kind of managing different ranches throughout and we're up here in Nebraska now and yeah doing that very cool so 
getting into the nitty gritty of your company, Happy Trails Co. I looked through your website, which is absolutely beautiful. And I think there's a lot of history and symbolism behind your brand and everything else. Can you kind of tell us the inspiration behind your company and what all of it means to you? Yeah, that's a good question. And yeah, thank you for the website stuff. That's a whole lot of work. I'm glad you like it. Um, so, you know, I guess my main inspiration, that really does matter to me. I want, I want people to know, I want the client to know, yeah, just kind of where my heart is with how I shoot. And so I try to communicate that with my website. When what my business has kind of developed into now, I would say the inspiration kind of started way back when, when I was about 14. I lost my dad to a horse accident. I still remember, like at the funeral, you know, when you get to putting those photos together and trying to do a slideshow, I still remember thinking, like, there's none of these photos show my dad, like, doing what he absolutely loved to do. I didn't know it would develop into photography later. That's essentially the perspective I try to shoot from. Dad was a cowboy through and through. And so I try to provide imagery for families that are similar to mine, ranching, and imagery that will really show each person. You know, it could be the grandparent or the parent. But um, just providing, like, authentic imagery for everyone that's involved on your family operation. That was my main inspiration even back then, even the name, Happy Trails, you always find things, Happy Trails, that's why I'm Happy Trails Co. I've been that from day one. So yeah, kind of a sweet memory for him, um, but also hoping to provide families with, not that my family, like our photos weren't great, but gosh, I just really wish I had a lot better imagery of him, which really showed him what he loved doing. So yeah, that's kind of kind of the main heartbeat of what I do with my lifestyle photography. Very cool. And I know a lot of people remember your dad as a really great cowboy. And I think it's it's true that it'd be nice to, even though we have all these memories of great hands and everything, it, it'd be nice to see the imagery that shows that. And I think that's really important to a lot of people. I've seen yeah. a lot about your legacy sessions, which I think have the same goal of trying to provide that imagery of what this lifestyle is like and what the people in it really do. So what exactly are these legacy sessions and who are they for? Yeah, so obviously my goal was pretty big when I, as this has kind of developed, essentially just now explaining like, you know, capturing the family member on the family operation, like doing what they love, I realized I really can't do that with a regular session. And so a couple of years ago, came up with the concept of legacy sessions. And so that's for the family that wants the more in-depth, like storytelling experience. And so what I do is I actually visit your family operation up to three times in a year time frame. And these three different and these these are like full day me taking photos of your family and so it's not just an hour or two you know it can be four to six hours and you can imagine all the great photos that that i'm able to get and then i'm able to get maybe your operation every season or or what's important to your family so 
know, working cattle together or branding is always a big hit, of course, um, but also kind of those slower times, like when it's really just the intimate family, the main people doing, you know, just regular, regular life. And so I, that way I'm able to kind of get more of the full story and really the cherry on top that I don't really talk enough about is the family album. That's really the main goal of these sessions. And so visit you, you know, for a year's time. Then we, we come together and together we curate a family album. And this is where you can bring like old, old family photos and we'll put them together with the photos that we've been taking over the year. And then this album starts to become really this family history book. And really, that's what I want to shoot for, is for the person who cares about telling the story for the next generation. And so we really shoot with that album in mind. Legacy sessions are super important. Yeah, I think that is beautiful. I Thinking of my childhood growing up ranching and all the brandings and everything, and photos don't yeah. really capture like what our life was like at that point and how hard we were working and how in sync we were I really wish that would have been around when I was a kid so I'm sure that's yeah. super special to all of your customers wish it would have been around for my family like that's like I said these are things that I wish yeah same and I'm like you know what let's just that's how I want to serve my client um, and so my clients definitely are unique but my service is also unique and so I really try to educate and emphasize that this isn't for the portrait um, you might hire a portrait photographer you know like that's not really what our time together is about it's really for that that story and that um yeah just that family history let's shoot for the next generation and show them just tell tell the story yes ma'am and a lot of our listeners are row crop farmers and things like that do you do this also for traditional row crop farming or just for ranches i would say i'm a lot more um i come from a ranching background and so i'm a lot more suited for the rancher but yeah i do a few farm families for sure too Okay, I was just curious with uh, planting season right now and harvest and things like that. I thought it would be cool for our listener, some of our listeners to get in touch with you about that. But if any of our ranching yeah. or farming families want to get in touch with you about a legacy session or a single session, where can they find you? So I'm on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and then my website. And so on Instagram... I am actually by my personal name, so I'm genuinely dot Sarah, but you should be able to find me across the board as the Happy Trails Co. My website is thehappytrailsco.com, and on Facebook, I am the Happy Trails Co. And my name, Sarah Heisel, my last name is H-I-S-E-L, that should hopefully get you to be too, but yeah, somewhere along those lines would work for sure. Very cool, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today for this Tech Tuesday segment. And we wish you all the best in your company and your endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, sorry that I missed that conversation with Sarah. Thanks for taking that over, Cassidy. And it's always fascinating for me 
to listen to people who have a creative eye, a creative touch, people to see things that I can't see. And I think she adds so much to the Western industry by really highlighting the cowboy way of life and the ranching and farming way of life through her lens. And it's really great to catch up with an old friend. Well, for that, why do you say we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.